Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mad Men Recap. My name is Paul. This is John. And we are happy to have you with us. Hey, Paul, I must say, you sound fantastic. Do I sound good? You sound great. That's all I'm hoping for, John. I'm begging for compliments here. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a new microphone. And the hope here is to literally coat your ears in butter with my voice. How close am I, John? You're right at the melted butter. How creepy was that, too? Was what? What I just said. No, you're fine. It wasn't creepy? No. Whew. Good. Trying to be less creepy. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we're here. It's still season two. We're still recapping. We are at episode seven, The Golden Violin, John. This takes us over halfway. It does. Thank you. We're tipping the scales, ladies and gentlemen. We will make it to season four, I believe. If we, nope. keep, if we keep on at this pace. Definitely. John? Yes. We learned three things again. Number one, it's time for the horse to catch the carrot, John. You know what I mean? No, but go ahead. Okay. The other one, Joan is not in the habit of making empty accusations, which we find out. And she doesn't, indeed. And lastly, the bigger the dawn, the harder they fall, John. Did you, did you enjoy this episode? I really like this episode. Because I love it, this episode. It's not often that you see Don being the one that gets his pants taken down. Is that what they say? Actually, aren't, don't we always see Don <laughs> getting his pants taken down? Well, literally. Uh, this, yes, is the, this is the more fi- figurative, figurative yes. yes, embarrassment, as they say. But we, we start miles from embarrassment. We start with Don looking at a 1962 Coupe de Ville, top of the line. He was sent there by Roger to check it out. Uh, one, he needs a new car. His other one got rolled. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. And number two, this car looks as if it's like three cars welded together. It's so big, John. But it's, I mean, what do you think about the car? I, I liked it. It's I sharp. love it. Are you kidding yeah. me? This thing's no, out of control. It's a great car. And so we meet Wayne uh, it's funny to see somebody put the hard sell on Don. I know, right? This guy's all, good, too. <laughs> all the lines he's trying to uh, drop on him. It's, he's, he's smooth, John. I, bought, well, I, I actually went out and bought a Cadillac right after this. It's fun, though, because Don, you know, that's what he does. And so he's just kind of getting a little kick out of, um, out of the lines. And, he knows the score. You know, and it's, um, we, we get to see another reason why he gets a kick Don flashes back to his car salesman days. Now this is quite a uh, th- this is quite a scene, John. Now uh, we've been accused of spoilers on this show, so we'll do our best to keep this one under a hat. But this is kind of a pivotal episode and kind of breakthrough. Am I right? How so? Well, uh, here we see in Don's past, way and before you- he got to New York. And if you'll catch the, the way they word it, this is exactly 10 years ago. 10 years ago, John. Uh, we, see, uh, we see someone come in and accuse him or, or, or say that he's very hard to find and accuse him of not being who he says he is. Some lady. While some, he's, some while lady. He's sadly, yeah, well, some lady. To us. To us. Comes in and, and uh, while he's trying to sell to a young man and says... You're not Don Draper. Well, sell a car, by the way. He, he this shows him being a car salesman. Yes, yes, Sorry. used cars, used cars. And, uh, and and you know he thinks she's coming in for a car. Why else would she be there? Why? 
and and she all she says to him is you know you're a hard man to find you're not don draper and that's a uh that's that's a big pot stirrer for the viewer if there's one thing i've learned from this series john it's that if someone accuses you of something you just stare at them if they're as if they're crazy and say nothing did you get that from don i've gotten that i've gotten that from don and apparently it works really well he's made a living out of it i gotta tell you it's working for him it can work for me but that's all we're gonna say about that because that's all we see in the show fair enough all right oops <laughs> so he flashes back and this little flashback apparently has upset him to mm-hmm. the point where he just kind of not only does he not buy the car he doesn't take a drive he kind of just scurries out to yeah. wayne's dismay now i'd like to i'd like to uh put some a few episodes ago and i don't have the sound clip and i, and I don't care to find it but you said that don always forgets and that's why because i was saying i was getting tired of these scenes of Don just, you know, staring out the window. Yes. And, you know, thinking about himself. And you're like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't think about anything. He forgets everything. Not true, John. This has proved you wrong. No, this didn't prove me wrong. It did. He's remembering this flashback. He's flashing back. He's remembering it. And you just said that's why he was upset and left the Cadillac dealership. I have painted you into a corner, my friend. That's okay. I will step right out of the corner. <laughs> And say you're right. Thank all right, you. that's all I wanted. That's all. So we go. We go to the office now, and we see uh, Jane and Roger. Roger comes up to Jane, and he's being his normal Roger self. Continues to be flirtatious with her. He can't help himself, John. It's who he is. It really is, actually. You don't hate and, the tiger for killing, do you, John? It, if it's me, he's killing. Okay. Um, but so Roger comes in, talks to, uh, uh, talks to Don and, uh, <laughs> asks him about the car and kind of, uh, waxes poetic on the thrill of the Cadillac mm-hmm. and why he should get it. Why it's so great to go in and drop that much money. And not, Just not care. You can. That's yeah, right. And not care. And I imagine that is thrilling. <laughs> I also would have to imagine that. Yes, indeed. And so Duck comes in, and they have a little talk, a business talk, shop talk about a coffee company they're still working with, uh, Martinson. And then uh, Smitty and Kurt, who were hired specifically for this, if you remember a couple episodes ago. Now, see, that I didn't remember that. They, I remember them coming in and interviewing, but I, they, how, how did they end up on this coffee thing? Well, uh, specifically because Martinson Coffee had requested uh, young people it was this it was this account that uh, got duck to get on don for young uh young employees Mm -hmm. and so don did his few interviews wound up hiring smitty and kurt to specifically for this account and so now we see them working on this account uh they're kind of making jane feel uncomfortable and then come in and and the little guy the little guy makes me feel uncomfortable always he's off-putting and then when he's in with Don, he's he's reading this letter that his beatnik, good-for-nothing hippie friend sent him. I'm From Michigan. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that Don can even stand to listen to this kid open his mouth. Just the sound of him breathing annoys me. Oh, I think Don tuned him out pretty quick. Oh, God, seriously. My generation this, my generation that. Well, and the whole, you know, you dig. Oh, man. seriously? <laughs> you sound like an ass. I don't care if it's a period thing. 
And you know, that's what everybody was. You still sound like a complete ass. No, there's they're they're not taking applications for the Rat Pack. Oh my god. And so, you know, we don't really see their work. You know, this is a little tease. They eventually go to show him what they've been working on, but then they cut away from us. Mm-hmm. And we move on out of that meeting, stay in the office. And this is just, this is a perfect scene. We have Kinsey with a diaper. I don't know why that's just great. Uh, hopefully just there to catch whatever comes out of his mouth, if you know what I'm saying. hey oh, <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, this is a, uh, this is, this is kind of a, a nifty little, uh, uh, kind of a business piece because they're talking about Pampers and P&G and this would have been a massive account. Massive. I mean, yes. a Pampers is one of the one of the largest sellers, uh, I believe, for P&G. So um, I don't know if uh, this is obviously right at the beginning of the whole idea, but uh, if Sterling Cooper uh, uh, did this account successfully and kept it, it would be it would be enough to run the run the whole firm. And I think this is one of the little things they do to try and keep keep people in the 60s when Sal says, you know, at, at 10 cents each, you should really get more out of them. Indeed. You know, Indeed. Those was, I, felt, I felt that this was also a little bit of an environment, um, environmental uh, kind of uh, jab because they talk about throwing away and it's kind of wasteful and stupid. But, oh, I, I mean, no, I, that's but, just how it was. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's kind of interesting to think about because today people starting to think about that a little bit more but i mean everybody uses disposable diapers unless you're some kind of beatnik hippie from michigan i think you've just offended everyone in michigan oh i'm sorry i meant france perfect and so you know the the office uh, the, the little meeting winds down uh little little harry crane comes pouncing in hey boys i got a meeting <laughs> uh, yeah Oh, you know, you know, he's like really little, you know, yeah, it's one of those he, little he was like all excited. He was yeah. all excited, John. And so they and I don't even think that they like purposefully were knocking him down. They're just like, yeah, we've heard about this painting. You're probably getting called up about this painting. And and he gets all ticked off. But when you think about it, it no, I don't think he, they were saying he was called up because of this painting, because obviously. no. One oh, that's had, exactly what they're saying. No, no, no. That's, they're saying that when he's in there, he's going to ask him about the painting. Because he's right. in there, you know. No, right. but he's not. He's not being specifically called in to his office to be like, "What do you think about the painting?" Cooper doesn't care really. Like, he's not going to ask him. Do you think this was a good buy? He's going in for another meeting, but he's excited because it's a one-on-one, and they are scaring him into in thinking that they're going to. He's going to. Cooper's going to ask him what he thinks about this painting, and I think we all know that he will have no thought at all. <laughs> yeah, we know that. And we, we we see that, you know, the guys are like, no, none of us have seen it. Dale has seen it. I don't know if anybody remembers Dale from a previous episode, but. Oh, D- Dale's not even really around. No, but I think he we've seen him in all. first episodes, yeah. Yeah. He was. So, uh, so Jane, the girl that's cleaning up, is like, I'm going to go see it. No one's there. I'm going. She's trouble, man. She is. You can tell right from the beginning. And the only person that really sees it is Joan. Oh, indeed. Well, and Kinsey, actually, because as we see, they all uh, they decide to go with her because she says she's going to look at it. And they're like, well, well, Cosgrove, who seriously is almost attached her face to her back. It's ridiculous. God, learn, learn to, you know, take one for the team and just, you know, back off, buddy. Uh, He runs up there behind her. So does um, 
Sal and Harry. Sal and Sal and Harry and Kinsey up to a point. But when she goes to turn the knob because uh, Cooper's girl isn't there to actually go in the office, Kin- Kinsey makes a break for it, John. I think that's a smart move. I mean, I, I don't care so if too. you just you don't go, you don't go into the the top guy's office. It just you don't. Not at a company like this. Not not at any company in New York. Not not at all. No no. Uh, I believe hey, uh, you, I believe he says it's a Rothko. It's a rather, it's a rather cool painting, and yes, it would probably be worth quite a bit. And then to to my huge surprise, uh, Cosgrove seems to understand the painting. I think well, he, you you could safely call this the Cosgrove episode. Yes, yes, he he has. Did you like how they do that little um, that shot where they do a real slow zoom on the painting as Cosgrove is expounding on the depth of the meaning of this i really i really don't think um that he could have this kind of thought without writers without without help what literally out it's almost that the character would need to read it off his hand you know what i mean (laughs) well i think this is this is why this is your bias towards cosgrove well you know he is a published author john did you know did you know that I knew that once he tried that out on Jane. He was in the Atlantic Monthly. Yes, but uh, she didn't really care, but no. Sal was wowed. Was He thought, no, he thought the story about the maple tree was both beautiful and sad. Yeah, I think we're, we are, we're seeing here um, that um, apparently Sal has what we would call a bit of a man crush. And um, maybe a little bit more than a man, a gay man crush. Yes, on um, on Ken Cosgrove, uh, I think maybe the tipping point was his um, uh, his description of the painting, John. Like you could fall in, and I think we all did a little bit, didn't we? No, I stayed right where you I stayed was. Stayed where you were, man. I his eyes are just anyway. Uh, so yeah, that we learned that in the elevator when um, Sal and uh, Ken and. Uh, Jane are on their way out after seeing the painting. Um, I believe Ken asks her to go to dinner or if she's hungry and she just says no one walks right past him. Man, cut the guy some slack, right, John? That's a tough nut to crack. Okay. Uh, we go from there to the next morning. And uh, I, I, why is Joan the police, John? Well, I think she really, I mean, she is an office manager. And I think she knows that Jane is... Jane's not Jane's the best. trouble. She knows Jane's yeah, trouble. Yeah, she knows Jane's trouble. Okay. And she, you know, it's not like she's the police. The only reason she says what she says is that she walked up behind them. You know, I mean, she didn't know that going in. And, and she's just like, what about Mr. Cooper's painting? And so she just tells uh, Kinsey what she heard. And he pretty much confirms it, mm-hmm. just that he wasn't part of it. And this is just more ammunition for her against Jane, who she thinks probably needs to, to move along. Mm-hmm. That's true. She is threatening her hotness power in the office, John. No, I don't think it's that. I just think that she feels that Jane has the wrong approach. You know, she doesn't think that Jane is really there to, you know, work and then get the other stuff. She's just there for the other stuff. What would the other stuff be, John? Probably the pencils. (laughs) Oh, such honesty. And we move on to the uh, next scene, and this is where... uh... Ken Cosgrove 
uh, kind of, you know, opens his heart, as they say, to, uh, to, to Salvador. He's fragile. He is fragile, John. Be careful with him. Uh, he goes. Uh, he goes to talk to uh, Sal because he has another story that he's written. And after Sal gave such a, a glowing review to his last story, uh, he wanted uh, Sal to give him his thoughts on this new one. And I believe the story is called Golden Violin. John, this this is the gold, the gold violin. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I add an olden onto that? Maybe. Anyways, I, I see we're splitting hairs then tonight. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, he gives him the story, and Sal says, I'd love to read it. Why don't you come on over for dinner? It'd be you and me mostly, and then Kitty. And uh, <laughs> Kitty might be there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. She's difficult for me to see. Uh, he does uh, give Cosgrove kind of an adoring look, John. For the second time in the episode. And many more to come, if I can. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, we move on from that scene to uh, the Martinson's coffee pitch, and the uh, the little guy. What's this kid's name? Smitty. At least he's dressed like Howdy Doody in this scene. John, can have you seen him? No, it's it's really perfect. I mean, he's got what is that? A neckerchief? He's got a uh. neckerchief. He's got like a denim shirt on, uh, some kind of herringbone jacket, the bright blue pants. Honestly. Someone would literally murder him if they saw him on the street today. Well, and then they, you know, and then the way he starts it out, I was like, so where do we begin? I mean, it's just, it's, uh, he does a it's great obno- job. He's it's, obnoxious, though. Yes, an obnoxious youth, which is what they're looking for. Exactly. He plays that role to a T, my friend. Uh, and they play this stupid jingle, man. And it's like, it's not a jingle. It's, it's not a jingle, bro. It's a song. It's the spokesman for our generation. Uh, you know just, what? It, it seems like uh, Peggy shows up in a lot of these meetings without a lot of function. Like in this one, she just hits the play button. Well, not everyone can do that, John, and look as good doing it as she does. Hmm. But it's more than a jingle. It stays with you. Does it? Did it stay with you? Can you even hum it right now? Martin Sands. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, listeners, I don't know if you can hear this, but John and I are drinking again. Oh, yes. Welcome yes. back, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. What are, what, just just a little break. What are you having? I am having Sam Adams. Oh, you are? A nice Northeast Coast beer. I am working on a recycled uh, old-fashioned, and you might say, what is that, Paul? Well... To make it old fashioned is kind of laborious, you know, because you got a muddle and whatnot and the sugar and the hay hay. And uh, so when you're done, uh, you can sneak by on the next one with just adding a little bit more ice and then throwing more booze on top. Now, the second one will come up and get you. So hopefully by the end of the episode, I'm still able to speak. Has it gotten you yet? Probably. Next that scene. Was a, that was a nice mid episode break. Yeah, thank you. Uh, to our sponsors, Bourbon. <laughs> and Sam Adams. Um, so uh, next scene is uh, Harry actually in Coop's office. Can I call him Coop? Yeah, no, this is this is Mr. Cooper to you. So we're in Coop's office, and they're running over the numbers for the television department, and he seems rather um, intent on it. Coop's, you know, not uh, not wavering either way. He's just staying straight to what they're doing. 
And uh, Harry decides that maybe he'll make a comment about the painting, John. Bad move. Indeed. Uh, he looks over at the painting and says, what does he say? Like, oh, that's a very nice painting. Uh, it's a Rothko. I've read about him. Oh, right, right. Yeah, he went home and did his research. Um, and he's just kind of like, Coop's kind of like, okay, man. I thought we were, thought we were working here. Kind of gives him a cold response. But he does, after a pause, kind of uh, get into it. And it literally turns out he doesn't really care about Rothko or the painting or the whatnot. He just knows that in six months, it'll be worth twice what he bought it for. Am I right? And, uh, and even more than that, a little bit later, in um, it turns out that the painter Rothko is going to die in just eight years. Like most painters, John, they don't make it too long. And, you know, I know, I know Bert doesn't have a ton of airtime, and he's kind of the grandfather, but I thought he had a great line about that painting. You know, he says, people buy things to realize their aspirations, and that's the foundation of our business. Hey, man. And that, that was fantastic. I mean, he, you know, that's exactly, they're trying to get people to buy things that they don't need, but that they can, you know, afford and will make them feel something, feel better, feel safer, feel happier. I don't think anyone would doubt that, uh, that, that Bert is kind of the grandfather of, or, or the godfather of this show. You know what I mean? He plays it so well. He does. He plays it real well. He's very likable. I like him very much. Everybody so, needs one of those guys. And, but he tells Crane, you know, not to get lost in aesthetics because it'll give him a headache. Stick with numbers. Exactly. I love how he ends it. Crane, listen, you're kind of stupid. And we but, move on, and uh, our, our favorite comedian... Jimmy Barrett. I love Jimmy Barrett, man. Honestly, I still love this guy. He calls Betty at home while she's uh, brushing little Sally Draper's hair, who's turning green from the public pool. Chlorine will do that to you. Will it? Yeah. I'm bald like Paul Giamatti, John. I I don't know what that's like. Uh, he calls Betty and uh, says, you know, oh, you know what? Uh, Don's not here right now. He's like, well, I'm calling to talk to you. It's clear that he has a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a crush on Betts. She is attractive. I don't know. Those pants that she's wearing are awfully high and kind of uh, ill-fitting. It was a different time. Fashions were different that, 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 uh, geez, 50 years ago. Things go around, John. Uh, you see those pants coming back? Not on me. Thank you. So uh, she laughs. I think she's flattered by the whole thing, obviously. And uh, uh, Jimmy certainly has kind things to say, always. Well, not only does she like the attention, she's getting attention from a celebrity. Exactly, a celebrity. And so she, they get invited to a party Monday night, celebrate the show, mm-hmm. and she says she'll pass that on. Mm-hmm. And we move on to the office. Duck comes in to say the whole Martinsons was a slam dunk. They're sending the check over now. Don Don's very complimentary. He says that's good, good advanced work. They have a nice little moment. I know. It's almost like they're best friends now, John. And then all of a sudden... They're as close as me and you. The shoe drops. Okay. And we find out that Don is being called in to meet with the big boys after the success, but only Don. And, and there's Doug a little is, bit of a smirk on Don's face for that. Yeah. And a little, a little uh, painful wince from Duck. <sighs> Or duck. And the tension starts again. Hey, oh. Now we go into uh, Don uh, goes into uh, Coop's office, and we have Roger there as well. 
And uh, they pretty much lay out um, that Don's becoming kind of a big cheese, John. This was almost like a a super rich hazing. Induction ceremony. Yes. Um, they tell him that he's going to have to be wearing his tux a bit more, and he needs to start living the badass lifestyle. It's pretty much, they call you in the office, they say, listen, you're a badass now. Uh, start living it. And they, yeah, and, and Don gets a nice big smile out of it. Like, Wouldn't you? I've made it. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a weird, you know, you got these two silver haired guys sitting across from you saying, you know, this is, here are the keys to the world. It's kind of weird. There, she, I believe Bert says there are very few people that get to make decisions about what happens in this world. And you are one of them. John, this will give you a God complex, for Christ's sake. I think Don has that. Already. We're just added to it. Well, and what does he do with that complex? He buys a Cadillac. Wouldn't you? Right now, no. Then, no, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a Cadillac either. Sorry, American listeners. No, I would still buy American. Oh, you would? What would you buy? I got my eyes on a Bronco. It's made by Ford. Yeah, they still they're anyway. Uh, good, good to see you're uh, keeping it classy. I aim high. <laughs> no, you don't. So it turns out that uh, uh, you know this is a little off putting, but I think he really loves it, right? And he goes and buys the Cadillac. First things first, he doesn't even test drive it, John. He just says, "I will take this car." It's lovely. Like the blue color. He probably didn't even write a check. He probably just handed him $7,000. a lot of cash that he pulled we, out of his jacket. And we have a, we have a very uh, acidic Joan that makes an entrance here. Comes at Jane with the, uh, the accusation, and it's not an empty accusation. It is not empty nor false, John. She's not oh. in the habit of that, I'll have you know. And, and she... I mean, to her credit, she sees right through the little, you know, wasn't my fault act. Oh, it's pathetic. It's like she's it's like she's still in high school, you know, and they're like, was someone smoking in the ladies room? Oh, not I. I'm so pretty. How could I do anything wrong? That's exactly why you do things that are wrong because you're pretty and get away with it. Take it from Paul Giamatti here. I get away with nothing. Let's not let's not that. Well, that's true. So the but yeah so she she's like look you know um I didn't do it Joan sees through it and then instead of just apologizing she she goes on the offensive and is like you she know does. what what is wrong with you and I don't need a mother you're not and the I, only one that gets to have fun around here yes and that did not that backfired that did not work that's weird i thought that would have worked <laughs> i guess that's how, that's how the mind of a 20 year old works i can't remember that far back I can, and that's the, I remember saying that to a few people. And? It, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> so uh, so Joan, Joan lays down the hammer. You're done. Get out. And, uh, and walks away and, and upsets the, the little girl and, and thanks. And we get to check out the car. Did you oh. know that there were these, these light sensors, these dimmer switches? I had no idea. I did not know that um, at, at that point in time in history that, yes, uh, oncoming traffic could be, uh, your, your lights could be dimmed. Uh, that is quite a sensor they have there, John. Uh, I'll tell you what else uh, went on. 
<laughs> Sorry. I couldn't think of a segue. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, this brings another little love connection. Bring the a lady little- home a car. Uh, she'll offer you a ride around the block, as they say. And, and this is the first of about six things where we get a kind of the, the idea that this is Don's you know, new baby. We're not doing anything here. So he actually turns down the ride around the block. He does. He said, let's... Uh, he says, not in here. Let's take it upstairs, John. Yep. Uh, we cut back to the office and we see uh, Jane in a uh, tearful situation where she's walking through the office on her way uh, from being fired. Uh, she just wants to stop by Roger's office, John, just to say goodbye, to thank this, him for being so nice. That's this, it. That's it, John. These are some of the best lines Roger has had this season so far. Uh, he's awesome. It is fantastic. <laughs> you know, he goes, I, I understand a reprimand, but firing, that's a little permanent. Hey, oh. And then and then offers her a drink because it's not like you work here anymore. I know it. And and it's funny because it starts off like, yeah, I'm not going to help you. You know, it's too bad. That sucks. Uh, but then by the end, uh, he's like, oh, you know what? Why don't you just come back on Monday after everything's cooled down? Well, he only did that once he found out it was Joan that did the firing. Why do you think that is? Well, because he, well, he likes Jane. He's been flirtatious oh. with her for some time. And if and- Don would have fired her, there's nothing he could have done about it. Exactly. You don't want to. Yes, exactly. He know. I mean, you know, he's he, if if he crosses Jane, meh, oh well. Joan. Did I say Jane? I meant yeah. Joan. I apologize, folks. Drink. Um, yeah, I mean, if he, cro- if he crosses, yeah, if he crosses Joan, well, you know, oh well. She's getting married anyway, John. She's off the market for She's, a while. Yep, that's right. She's on her way out the door. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so that was kind of annoying, by the way, because I don't like Jane and it's just kind of, it's kind of disheartening to see someone like that. That's so kind of sleazy, get their way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure she'll get hers at some point. Okay. Okay. Next scene, John, we cut to, uh, apparently the weekend because, uh, Kenneth Cosgrove is coming over to Sal's house for dinner. Sal and Kitty's. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see Kitty there. Oh, it, you're not the only one. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh Ken brings over a, a beautiful bou- bouquet of flowers. And uh, I tell you what, uh, Sal takes right to him. And immediately we have our first kind of awkward moment when um, Sal has Ken taste the sauce, as they say. Well, and even before that, you know, he's all nervous. He's pulling at his cuffs. She, Kitty says, oh, you're, you know, the, your best tie. <laughs> it's a... Uh, they really hit you over the head with this one, John. Leave yeah. nothing to the uh, imagination. No, you're not going to miss this. No, no. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to realize that maybe Sal likes dudes. There's but nothing yeah, wrong know, with that. And it's a, you know, you're right. They do this, the, ta- the, the, the sauce taste. And then, and then Ken's looking around. And he goes, oh, how did you meet? And Sal's response was, oh, it's a boring story. I know, man. Sal who was says- like, Sal's Who says the, that? Because here's the thing: is that uh, Sal's not a bad guy. I think you know he he doesn't obviously he's not uh, maybe um, sexually attracted to Kitty, but uh, you know he does he does like her, and uh, but I think just having Cosgrove in in the room is too much to handle. Open a window, everybody. Turn on a fan. It's a little warm in here. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm so glad you're my co-host. You know, I you know how to make me look stupid. <laughs> oh, you're you're absolutely. I mean, it, this is you're right. It's over the top, especially since we've seen. Uh, if you remember back to the Belgian League guy that kind of made a pass at, oh, at yeah. Sal and how how much he rebuffed it to kind of see him be so so overt in this situation, mm-hmm. uh, especially with somebody that he's known for a while. Uh, that's what I don't get is like he knows that this guy is a skirt chaser. You know, like he saw him he saw him doing the making out with the girl with the numb cheeks at the. Uh, at I don't the, think, the uh, you know, I don't think that that's uh, that's a problem. I think, you know, he feels as if Ken and him have had a moment and, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, he's just infatuated, my friend. Yes. It, it, reality doesn't take take a take a part of this because, I mean, you know, in the back of his mind, he knows that, you know, nothing's really going to happen here. Whereas in those other situations, it was a real reality. That guy oh, was yeah. touching his hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's true. And, and Sal says he loves the story. And uh, and the the scene ends with Sal just just staring down Ken eating. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. The thing the thing with me it, is this where Ken talks about the uh, the reason why he named it the Gold Violin. Uh, I don't know if this is the scene or if it was the other one. I think that I think this is the one. Either way, he talks about how the name of the store is the Gold Violin. He says he saw it at the Met or something, right? And uh, it was this beautiful, this beautiful thing, right? But it per- couldn't make any music. Perfect in every way, right? Although it could not make any music. Uh, now the thing is, is that when you look at Ken and you hear him talk normally, like regularly, he seems like maybe he's missing a few cards in the deck, if you know what I mean. So how is he able to come up with all this like good stuff? Everyone's got talents. Sure, John, I understand that. It seems his talent would be maybe like beer pong or flip cup or almost raping someone. Not uh, not this kind of uh, intellectual uh, metaphors. You know what I'm saying? Way to stereotype, my friend. Okay, all right. Moving on, uh, We uh, next scene we see the uh, Draper family out of the park because the kids have gotten home and they have this new car and they want to take it for a little drive. And uh, we see Don uh, noticeably intoxicated. Surprisingly so. Why not? I would be. He is driving. He was able uh, to keep his beer cool in the Thermaster. Thermaster. Indeed. Uh, and it's, it's kind of funny. I don't, I don't know if a whole lot else goes. There actually, a lot of like little kind of funny uh, uh, time period references happen in this scene. Uh, you know, he tells Bobby to pee outside, which, you know, that's okay. Um, also, uh, we kind of see that, you know, he's obviously it's a new Cadillac. It probably cost him some dew. Uh, so he's a little worried about the kids messing it up. He makes a thing with Sally wants to play with Silly Putty, but she can't because it'll get jammed in the seats. And before they get back in the car, we do a hand check to make sure no one's got any crud in between their fingers to um mess up the new upholstery john no but this is this is all important setup material for the end of the episode oh my god this is probably my favorite end to any episode i've ever seen ever let's not jump ahead i won't uh one of the best things at the end of this little scene where they're in the park is that it kind of shows the whole uh 
oblivion to uh, environment and, uh, I don't know, kind of uh, responsibility. Don just tosses his empty beer can as far as he can throw it. And uh, to clean up, Betty takes the blanket they're sitting on and just shakes all the trash off of it. uh, And they just leave it in the park. Now, this is, I mean, I actually have a little bit of a hard time believing this would be true. No, no, this is this is a big thing. I mean, this comes to I mean it come that comes down to just personal responsibility. Some people are no, jackasses, John. I no, don't no, mean no, to surprise no. you. That's that's how it was. They how do you know? Were you there? Yes, no, I've I've read about this as far as like the like you said, the environmental and how it's changed about how people have looked at the environment. There were not public trash cans back then. They didn't have places for you to put your trash. That just wasn't something that ran through people's mind, and it wasn't until I think it was like the mid seventies where every everything just started looking awful because there was trash everywhere that people were like, "Wow, maybe we should, uh, you know, not do that." Really? Yeah. No, see, you know, I obviously I I, I wasn't around in this time. Uh, I I find this to be unbelievable. No, because- it's just. It was not. It was not on the social conscious of people at the I time. I will. I will say this though: if you grew up b- like pre-plastic era, uh, I can kind of see. You know, like you ate a lot of uh, things from the earth, and like you know, if you have an apple, you just toss that out because it decomposes and it's totally fine. But you right. know, I mean, we're we're coming into this uh, this kind of new era of like plastic and packaging and you know trash. Right. It's, I it's, guess it's, I can. I guess I can kind of see there would be a uh, uh, a transformation there. Right, because you, like you know, like like you said, there wasn't as much disposable. I mean, they were still getting their milk from the milkman, mm-hmm. and those bottles would get reused. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, you bought your produce, you bought your meats. You there wasn't the plastic shrink wrap. Right. You got that in paper. Right. Where did we all go wrong, John? Oh, there's nothing wrong with. I love my plastic. Oh, jeez. Anyway, moving on. We uh we go back to uh, Ken and the uncomfortable Sal Kitty situation. Yeah. Uh, she is feeding the crap out of him, and by the end of the dinner, uh, they're talking, and and you f- you finally see Kitty try to jump into the conversation, but they are talking a lot about work stuff and work people. Uh, but she is obviously upset. I mean, she's just kind of sitting there trying to be uh, engaged. And having no luck, and uh, Sal continues to just dismiss everything she says. Well, she offers to get more wine, and he just shoves her oh, his half man. full glass at her. Here, you can have this. You really? know, and, and she uh, she offers a little story about her own life. And he's like, oh, he doesn't care about that. I guess it. This seems a bit out of character for Sal because he seems like someone that kind of has his has his head about him. You know, like he he realizes that. You know, he can't come out of the closet because of, you know, the the times he lives in. Uh, so it's a bit surprising that he would go so nuts like this. Because it literally, you literally see him just kind of just not using his head here. Although we don't really know, you know, this is the first time we've seen, or the second time, but the first time we've really seen Kitty. Yeah. And so we don't know their relationship and how, you know, whether he's tender or gruff or, you know, doesn't pay attention. True. And, True. Uh, and, and of course, this is going to be the first time where it's going to be, you know, 
him and one other coworker and her. This has probably never happened before. So this is true. This is true. Uh, the kind of uh, be all end all uh, part of this scene, at least with Kenneth, is uh, when uh, he has a cigarette and he lights Sal's cigarette, and and you see Kitty see this, and any kind of uh, inklings that she may have had rattling around in her head there, John, are kind of coming true. Well, and and again, we'll see sometime down the road an even more uh, more telling tale for her and, and Sal, but Indeed. we won't get into that. Uh, but yeah, he, he gets the cigarette lit, and finally Ken himself gets a little uncomfortable and says, gotta go. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he does head out, and, and then Kitty just really gets frustrated. Yes, she does. Uh, and she says all those things that we just talked about. Uh, and Sal just tells her, hey, relax. You know what? I'll get you dessert. I'll clean everything up. I mean, you can see that Sal realizes that he was kind of a dick. Uh, and he feels bad. But at the same time, I think he also probably feels like, uh-oh. Does she, can, does she know that I... Maybe, maybe. Oh, no, no. I don't think he's thinking that at all. Maybe like dudes a little. No. Okay. He just he feels bad about how he treated her. And then he, he feels bad that he can't just enjoy what he wanted to do, which is, you know, spend time with a guy he has a crush on. Any, well, I mean, it's more so. The, the only reason I'm put off by that is because it's Ken Cosgrove. Oh, you have a crush on Ken. Uh, hey, listen, John. This is being recorded. I know this is why I'm happy we're in different states right now, because you would have punched me. I would have. I mean, this is going out to tens of people. Anyway, uh, next scene is uh, Ken Cosgrove walking into Sterling Cooper in the morning and uh, happens to be walking in with uh, Jane. I believe he says he has Mets tickets, if I'm not mistaken. And she says no. And then she says, please, you know, get away from me. I'm being watched. Hey, I appreciate his doggedness. He's not going to give up. I mean, I guess. I feel like you got to get the hint, though. I, I guess in, in that era, uh, you know, you just got to wear the ladies down. Well, wasn't that your advice? It is true. Yes, I guess in every era. It's just keep asking until they hate you enough to go out with you. So she walks away, and, and he sees Sal in the break room and walks in and says, I had a great time. You know, I sometimes you don't really like being a bachelor. Your home is what I have in mind someday. I like how you and Kitty are. And, of course, that makes Sal feel kind of like a heel, I'm sure, and, and uncomfortable. And So he just smiles and says, you know, it was great and walks away. Yeah, it was a little weird. Uh, well, he, did, he originally came in and said, would it be okay if I gave Kitty a call? Which was very nice. That would, that's a really nice thing to do. I, you know, Ken's an all right guy for as much as uh, he seems like a complete idiot. Uh, the next scene is honestly what we've all been waiting for, John. This is amazing. Uh, you see uh, Joan kind of coming down the hall for uh, for Jane and asking her, "What in God's name are you doing here right now?" Oh, and her her face, like the you know when she's oh, ten no. feet away, it looks like she's going to pull a knife out of somewhere or it's- literally shoot laser beams out of her eyes, John. I don't know why it looks she looks extra pale in this episode. She does. She does. She's very 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 white. Maybe it was the winter time. But so so Jane winds up turning it around on her and says, you know, oh, you know, Mr. Sterling says that you're 
impetuous and lose your temper and it doesn't really mean anything. And then you kind of get this thing and like uh, she says, uh, you know, is there a problem with that? And uh, Joan says, no, no, no problem at all. It's very clear. And I think that's saying, hey, you know what? Roger just uh, screwed me on this one. You know, like he's kind of putting his hand down on this one. Right. Right. Well, just like just like Roger wouldn't have been able to override Don. Right. You know, Joan can't do anything over top of Roger. This uh, this episode just won't stop, John. Even with only ten minutes or six minutes left, uh, there's still a lot. There's still a lot to happen because in this next scene, we see uh, Don and Betty going to uh, Jimmy Barrett's party. What do you think of the white tux? You know, I waver on the white tux myself. Have you uh, Have you ever worn one? I have never worn a white tux, and nor do I ever plan to. But if you I, wouldn't try it? If I get in good enough shape, I may try it. But you're I mean, on your, you're on your way. To, you're running. It would have to be sewn on me, John. Literally, I mean, just just built for me. I think the white tux is a hard thing to pull off. Of course, Don Draper could pull it off because he's an ass. Um, but this, and anyway, this scene is uncomfortable from beginning to end, John. Uh, right away when they enter the party, um, Bobby Barrett comes up. Um, and introduces herself, and they're talking about Grin and Barrett. And we uh, meet a bigwig from ABC. Yep, one of the producers is there, and he's saying that uh, we just got to crush Candid Camera. And uh, Betty is completely clueless. Obviously, I mean, she's only met Bobby Barrett that one time during the apology dinner for the Hindenburg joke. Well, and it's a lot of like what just happened with Kitty. You know, you're kind of surrounded by work, and you have no idea what's going on. So exactly. You're just, you know, you just got to do your best to have a good time where you can. So uh, Don's like, I'll go get us some drinks. Betty says, you know what? I got it. And uh, she kind of goes and gets some drinks. And then we kind of meet up later in the night. Probably not that much later. A little Um, bit later because she says how she's, you know, had too many. Yeah, she's had a few. Uh, But we meet up with Jimmy. Also in the white tux. Well, I think it was kind of everybody was wearing a white tux that night, John. No, the ABC bigwig didn't. Okay, I guess I I guess I knew from earlier that we're splitting hairs here. <laughs> Come on, man. Sorry, you're right. So so Jimmy finds her and says, you know, you're not going to be able to blend into the wall. And uh, he is they, they, again overly complimentary. Again, gets her another drink. Insists that she has another drink, even though mm-hmm. she said she's had too much. And then uh, and then it, it starts to get a little weird. Because he's like, look at those two over there. And he starts, he starts alluding to the fact that maybe they've been canoodling, John. Wait, what? They've been what? Can, canoodling? What is that? I, is that not a term? Can, canoodle? I, I don't know. Okay. Is it, okay. That they've been having an affair, John. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Betty's like, oh. oh what? It's almost like she can't hear this. It's it's just, wait, what? Although she knows that he has affairs. Right. I think we, just we've hear, heard her say that. Just to hear someone else say it so matter-of-factly like this. Like, he says it so gruffly and roughly. Well, not like, only that, but, but uh, to see who he's having an affair with, to actually see the woman, and to see how, how, how not attractive she is. What? Oh, wait, what? You know, I mean, if you're going to see the person that, you know, your spouse is having an affair with, 
you know, you want them to be doing it for a good reason, right? I, I mean, if they're going to have an affair, at least have an affair with like you know a knockout, not like an older creepy lady. You, you need to lay off a minute here, pal. I'm sorry. If you put Betty Draper next to Bobby Barrett, who's going to take Bobby Barrett? I wish you could see my hand up right now. Hmm. Hands up. Honestly, Betty is so boring, n- annoying, and nagging. You're not wrong, but I'm just saying. I if guarantee you. Just saw you, the two women I, this, in the this lineup. Way, if you just saw them, saw them. Wish, look at them. I wish Kate was still on the show because this is getting a little mannish right now. But yes. honestly, you would have more fun with Bobby Barrett than you would with um, Betty. Okay. Anyway. Moving on. Enough to drink. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. She, so she, you're right. She gets very upset. And instead of, uh, instead of kind of talking with Jimmy about it and, you know, saying, geez, you know, that's terrible. What should we do? Should we, you know, she just gets uh, understandably upset, angry, kind of says that you people are ugly and crude. He is a comedian. Yeah, yeah. He goes, what do you mean, comedians? And, and she, she should have been like, yes, I meant comedians. And she, she storms off. And, uh, and so she walks away. We get a real quick little scene where uh, Sal's watching TV with his mother and Kitty. And Sal's his, kind his of... His mother's there? Yeah, didn't you hear that? He said that uh, he moved his mother up with him from Baltimore. Oh, you can just barely see her. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good eyes, John. And uh, it's funny because his mom is asleep on top of Kitty almost. Right. Oh, geez. And uh, and, and he's just kind of uh, fondly, fondly looking at Ken's lighter. His what? His lighter. Ken left his lighter. Were you trying to say a word there? Fondly. Fondling? Fondly. Fondling. Oh, I'm sorry. I know my headphones aren't in too well. And we're back at the party. All right. (laughs) And this is, this is, this is, oh man, you never, you never expect this. I mean, you know that Don is a runaround, you know, he does not the best stuff, Yep. but you know, he's such an intimidating figure. He's such an imposing uh, persona. You don't see this coming and Jimmy lets him have it, man. Go Jimmy, go. He pretty much, you can see Don's, I mean, obviously, I mean, who wouldn't be Don is uh, kind of uncomfortable around Jimmy. Because he's been having an affair with Jimmy's wife. Obviously, you might be a little strange. Um, uh, Jimmy uh, saying how Don got him everything he wanted. Um, And then pretty much tells him, he he says, you know what I like about you? Nothing. And pretty much lets him have it in the way that he knows that he's been messing around with, uh, with Bobby. You know, you don't mow another man's lawn kind of thing. Uh, he has that kind of uh, talk with Don. And uh, it's really great because during this, he's calling him trash. He's let, he's really just letting Don have it. And Don is frozen shut because, let's remember, every time you're accused of something as Don Draper, you just stare blankly like it's not happening, John. And it, it, it works for him every other time. It works for him here, too, though. I mean, because if he would have gotten upset and gotten into it with um, Jimmy, Betty would have asked him what was going on. Because as Jimmy is calling him trash and an awful person and just, you know, no good, uh, Betty comes up to get her coat. And Don has to kind of 
regroup real quick. And, and I love uh, how I love how Jimmy does this incredible about face. You know, he throws on this great smile, this like he squints his eyes, you know, almost like he's back on camera. You know, well, great to see you too. It was a guess. Oh man, it's amazing. I actually I, I, I kinda wanna I kinda wanna put the little speech that he does. Maybe I'll put it at the end of the show. Now it's too much of a downer. But uh rewatch the episode if you haven't, because man. Jimmy does a good job here. I love this guy. Well, and, and he he stops his accusation right before Betty gets an earshot. So neither neither one of them knows that they have been told. You know, Don doesn't yeah. know that he said anything to Betty and vice versa. You know what it's funny? And I, this is a tangent. But I swear, it's like, uh, it's like the guy who plays Jimmy has in his contract that he has to be shot in the same style that he shot in every David Lynch movie. Because they kind of shoot him from low, and his eyes are real wide, and he just looks creepy. Well, you kind of you have to shoot. He's a tiny man. He is a tiny guy. You got to shoot him low. But anyway, they always they always shoot him like that, and I love it. And so they they leave the party. Both Don and Betty are in the car in the brand new car, looking very terrible. <laughs> they were staring off. They're upset. Nobody's talking. Yeah. And Betty, who we knew had already had a, a bit of alcohol and had more when she was talking to Jimmy and probably had a lot more after talking to Jimmy. This, uh, this has got to be the best end to an episode ever because we, I feel like we've kind of been complaining that they've been ending the episodes the same way with this like kind of long drawback camera shot. Yeah. And then they just end this one so quick. Oh, know? yeah. Like she, she throws up. They go to black, and I love it. The first line of the ending song is "Break it to me gently." <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, because uh, you know, literally, we the whole episode has been a, a, a loosely about this car, and then once he gets it, it's all about keeping it clean and nice, and you know, it's brand new, and you know, it's all about the kids not being dirty, and then at the end, Betty yaks <laughs> all over the car, which is which is great. It's a great thing because. Yes, she had too much to drink, but at the same time, she's been hit with this awful news and it just kind of makes her sick. And you can just imagine, you know, you're riding home from the city. You've been told that your husband's cheating on you. And now, you know, it's real. It's not just something that you think, you know, and uh, you've had a bit too much to drink. The car signix catches up with you and you yak all over a brand new Cadillac, John. No, it was it was a nice it was a nice departure from that. That uh, ten second pullback. I think we all needed that. Yeah, we did, we do get this kind of. Uh, uh, she yaks, and then Don like turns to look at her, and then it goes to black. I mean, it's this little bit like, what's Don thinking at that point? Right, is he thinking more about the car or more about you know his wife and is she sick? Well, and the fact that did Jimmy say anything to her? Because you got to think, like he got you got to think that he saw Jimmy talking to her over there, and right? And Jimmy lays it out on him, so he's got to be thinking, did Jimmy say something to her? Even just even make an allusion to her, even plant that seed. I mean, that would just be he's got to just be like flipping out. And that's uh, you're right. It's it's a great way, great way to end the episode, and it it really sets up the rest of the season. 
Is it all just downhill from there, John? Uh, for the Drapers, yes. For the audience, no. <laughs> well done. Oh, John. What do we got new? Who's mailing us stuff? Well, I tell you what, it's a, it's a thin mailbag today. Ah, oh, should we open it up? Let's do it. So we got, uh, we didn't get much. We didn't get the, uh, uh, any more phone calls, although we loved that last time. That was great, guys, honestly. And I know a few of you have promised to call in. I haven't received them. And, uh, and we're, still, uh, we're still looking good on the iTunes, four stars out of five. Uh, no, nothing new that, uh, that showed up there this week, but we did get a couple of emails. Mm-hmm. And we always appreciate those. We got one from Stephen. Stephen, it's it's actually both of our emails are from people that aren't even uh, on to this this episode yet. These are people that have just started the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. And so uh, so Stephen writes in and says, you know, I I, I like the show. Um, <laughs> he goes, I just got into Mad Men. I just got season one. Unfortunately, it's too highbrow for my wife and coworkers to watch. More so than say. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Have you seen that Kim Kardashian, though, John? Have you seen her? So it's nice to hear somebody discuss Mad Men, even if I don't get to join in the conversation. You know what, Stephen? You're in the conversation. Indeed. We appreciate it. Um, and, uh, you know, he just he, he likes the show. And he also says that he thinks there's a little too much in the way of the, uh, of the spoilers. And so, uh, Stephen, by the time you get here, we, we think we've done a little bit better job. And he throws in a nice little piece of artwork. I don't know if you got to see this. Oh, yeah, it's, a little uh, poster. Yeah, a little poster. Uh, this is a, <laughs> a book called The Beatnik Party, which, uh, which he thinks is apropos to some of the uh, earlier episodes. So thank you for that, Indeed. Steve. Thank you, Steven. And our other one uh, from Rebecca, also brand new to podcasting in general, as well as oh, our wow. recap. How'd you find us, Becky? <laughs> Uh, she just started listening, and she says, uh, I have to say, as far as recaps go, you two are the very best. That's what I thought. She said that uh, other people out in the morning must think that I am crazy, jogging and laughing out loud. Yesterday, when you came out with the rapey Pete, I was laughing so hard I had to stop running to catch my breath. Dang, but that was the best laugh I've had in a while. <laughs> did you just throw an accent on that? Did I? You did. All right. Uh, keep, keep up the great work. Thanks, Rebecca. Rebecca, we appreciate your listening. Hey, everybody. This is just a request from Paul. If you do mail us in, could you tell us where you're writing from? Because John and I actually really, really love the emails. And it's really fun for us to know where you're writing from. So if you could say your name and where you're from, we'd love it. We're, I'm going to put a big map up here in the room, John, and put pins where people... I'm not going to do that. But uh, Are you going to put one up on the website? I'm like not, a Google map? I can't do that. But it, I don't really understand the internets. Um, but it is it is fun just for us to know uh, where folks uh, are listening to us. John, uh, I got a little uh, I got a little excited this week, more so this weekend, uh, because as we talked about earlier, uh, I bought a, a new microphone for the Brooklyn studio here, and I posted it on the Facebook, and we did get uh, we did get a, a thumbs up from Martine, and uh, I'm sorry, man, your name. And no, this this is Adrian. It's Adrian. Yeah, I know all of his stuff says now, but it's this is Adrian. Oh, hey Adrian. Hey, thanks for the fair enough. That was that that made me laugh actually. Actually, uh, as I'm trying to cut those down, uh, it's always nice for someone to uh, to write in with those. So, uh, well, we're we're hoping so everybody still loves the show and uh, our Facebooks continue to grow and we get more Twitters every day. 
Uh, as always, you can email us at staff at madmenrecap.com. We would love some more listener art. Uh, I know Henry Francis hasn't come into our recap yet, but uh, as soon as he does, uh, we, should get, uh, we should get some good one of those. Uh, you have anything else, John? Uh, yeah, just you know, don't forget the website. MadmanRecap.com. We got the. That's where you can go if you do, would like to give us a call. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been watching ahead because I, this is. I'm getting to the point where I can't quite remember. You know, this is season two, mm-hmm. and it's like watching it again for the first time. This is this is gonna get this is gonna get rolling. Is it? We got we have some great stuff coming up. We got some stuff happening. It's a. I mean, just stay tuned. I love it, John. Listen, we gotta go. We're uh, we're out of time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, it was great talking to you, John. All right, good show. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye bye bye.